Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Jack, you back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. So this is uh, this is a shocking and really informative report from Steve Harrigan on Fox News. Um, and, and I'm kicking myself a bit for not seeing this coming. Would you like some of us to kick you also? Oh, boy. <laughs> There's a line out the door of people volunteering. Uh, we're, the, the topic in general is the blue states decriminalizing of crime. And there are various examples from various states. And the so-called criminal justice reform that your George Soros-sponsored DAs are participating in, uh, where they, they look at who's incarcerated and say, hey, it's disproportionately black men, so obviously it's a racist system, so obviously we're just not going to charge anybody with serious crimes. Or we're going to reduce what were serious crimes down to misdemeanors and minor crimes, and nobody's going to pay attention at all. We've we've observed, and it was easy to predict. In fact, we did predict rather strenuously when California was voting on a couple of just idiotic ballot measures that this would lead to rampant crime. What I failed to get, and this is why I'm kicking myself, is that rampant crime being permitted leads to rampant profit from crime. And that... The people who notice that rampant profit aren't just going to be local yokels who want to steal some stuff and get money for a car. I thought. Or to take drugs or whatever. I was told people are just stealing this stuff because the economy's so bad that they have to steal toothpaste and razors and other expensive items because they can't afford to buy them. 
Well, if you believe that, you're dumber than the president's vicious dog, and you're being lied to. At any rate, Steve Harrigan fills in the blanks here on the free market of criminal enterprise at work. Start with 50, Michael. Four states have formed a task force with the Homeland Security Department to battle organized retail theft. Different from shoplifting due to the massive amounts being stolen, the sophistication of the thieves, and in some cases, law enforcement says, who is behind it? Drug cartels. These are sophisticated transnational organized crime networks that have ties to Latin America. We call them South American theft groups, and they're associated with high-level criminal activity in the United States. So that's your first clue. Hey, there's practically unlimited profit to be made in blue states by stealing. Transnational criminal organizations have noticed. I are now moving that. to exploit the lawlessness. Yeah, I didn't immediately think of that when this uh, trend started to go in with a trash bag and wipe the shelf clean of razor blades. But yeah, I suppose I suppose that makes sense. It was interesting. We were watching a uh, video the other day. Uh, oh, I guess it was that CBS News report in which they were reporting on rampant theft and crime and, and shoplifting, whatever you want to call it. And uh, while they were filming the report, in the, I think it was a CVS, uh, they witnessed three different thefts. And the one dude, the video I watched, it was striking because he grabs several items that he wanted and strolls out as if he'd paid for them. Utterly unhurried, unharried, unworried about anything. Um. So it's that easy. Yeah, I'm sure the first time you did it, he maybe looked around a little bit and thought, am I going to get away with this? But the tenth time you do it, you start to realize oh, nobody's paying any attention. Well, hell, you might as well say, hey, Jim, how are you? How are you? To the store manager. Uh, rolling on with that report, please. Targeted theft on a massive scale is changing the way stores do business. Dollar Tree has stopped selling men's underwear. Ulta locks perfume in cases. Home Depot ties down power tools with steel cables. Employees are often caught in the middle, fired if they try to intervene, while at the same time at the risk of attack from thieves. I love my job. Donna Hansborough, a 68-year-old Lowe's employee, got it both ways. Punched in the face three times by a thief wheeling out a shopping cart, then fired for violating company policy. On Monday, Lowe's announced she'll get her job back. Yeah, after there was a, a, a huge backlash in social media, I followed that story over the weekend. That was horrible. God, that whole that whole thing of where you're not allowed to try to stop theft, and if you do, you'll get fired, yeah. while the person stealing stuff gets free. That is really maddening. Who's buying their underwear at the dollar store? I didn't know the dollar store sold underwear. I'm happy to announce that I'm at the point in my life financially where I can go ahead and go to the Walmart, for instance, and get... The highfalutin underwear of the Walmart. <laughs> the rich man's underpants from Target. Um, I, I would point out a couple of things about that little angle, about the uh, the retail is changing and the people getting fired. Uh, first of all, clearly, it's made life worse for all of oh, us. Oh, sure. Less convenient, just weird, and just just not good. And the reason the those uh, store employees try to intercede... It's not their stuff, right? It's, they're not going to lose any money over it. What it is is human beings have an innate desire for justice. They don't like to see the rules we have all agreed on, the social compact, being violated. It's offensive. It makes us angry. 
And those employees are just standing up for humanity and civilization. And for that, they're being fired. But I, I warn ye, and I'm thinking about the, the Soviet Union and similar uh, corrupt uh, societies where people just give up hope. If you continually quash people's desire to see justice done, you will end up in a society you do not want to live in. No, you'll get way more people who are who are willing to risk their safety to stop theft because they're so just offended by it. It like hurts your brain. Right. The idea of somebody gets to come in here and grab a drill off the shelf and walk out of the lows bothers you so much you're willing to fight for it, even though it's not your money. Yeah, you kill that spirit. And people are going to flip to the other side. That's what happens in these countries like the Soviet right. Union or wherever. You just think, well, I'm going to start taking stuff. That's the, you know, when in Rome. Yeah, if theft is the route to success, I will steal. So Steve goes into a little detail on how organized theft and shoplifting differ, but I think we can understand that. Let's skip to 53, Michael, to wrap it up. One factor behind the double-digit growth of organized retail theft is the Internet. Third-party resellers can often move warehouses full of items online and remain anonymous. They found an opportunity. They found something that was very easy to do and low risk. And so we've got to make it higher risk. We've got to make it lower reward. And we've got to make sure that they understand there are consequences. Major retailers are pushing for online transparency to know who the high-volume Internet sellers are as a first step. Need to make it higher risk and lower reward. You mean the way it has worked my whole life up until recently? Yeah. And for hundreds of years? Uh, yeah, that might be a good idea. So, Katie, your husband is at a bank and gets a gun stuck in his face? Like, So what kind of an area are we talking about here before we hear the story? It's small town, just, you know, all age ranges, not very far from a school, across the street from a Safeway. So not not a janky, shady, you no. kind of expect it there sort of place. Mm-mm, okay, not at all. So what happened? So he went to Wells Fargo around two thirty in the afternoon. So you know, middle of the afternoon. Uh, walks Boy, that's out. not even on my mind. I pull into the bank at two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Pulls in, goes inside, does whatever he has to do, and on the way out, he hears some commotion out, out in the parking lot. And when he walks out, there's another gentleman with him. He sees four guys. Two of them with rifles. Oh, my God. Robbing this woman. One has her by the hair, and she's screaming. So my husband and the other gentleman went kind of walking in that direction, and the two guys pointed the guns right at them. Right. You want a piece of this? Mm-hmm. No, I don't, probably, is the answer. And they proceeded to get her purse. They 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 hit her with both of the rifles. I'm reading this morning. She's she's oh. doing okay, but once in the back of the head and once in the temple. And then they all got into the car and drove off, and authorities are asking for any information. Well, your husband had to be pretty concerned. I mean, somebody points a gun at you, that, you know, there's the opportunity that they're just going to actually shoot you. Right. And it, that and that it, was his point. He was like I wanted so badly to help and try to try to stop them from hurting this woman, but then they both there were two firearms pointed at him at his face. Wow. Right. And thank God the victim is uh physically probably going to be okay, but she was beaten to the ground, beaten on the head to the ground by two men with guns who stole her stuff. She will never be the same. No. No, and I'm reading this morning in the update, which is coming from her cousin, saying that she is okay, but she's very shaken up and does not want to go anywhere. Well, that's horrible, obviously, but yeah. your husband, I've never had a loaded gun pointed at me. I mean, no, that's, that's was, a minor, not a minor thing. Also very shaken up when he got home. I'm sure. 
a mixture of fear and, uh, you know, and guilt because he wanted to help. Yeah. And yeah. anger, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. that too. But, what? you know, just right in, the, right in the middle of the day. Sure. So your animal brain reaction to that would be, when's the next time you're comfortable anywhere? After you get a gun right. pointed at you in the middle of the day, just running an errand. Mm-hmm. It would take a very long time. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Everybody involved. And uh, my theory, which I am quite confident in, and it, I've seen it in kids and, and, and players on teams and dogs, including the president's vicious dog. An update on that coming up. <laughs> wow. If you set the limit at whatever, just to illustrate the point, level three, the kid, the dog, the player, whatever, will experiment with level four. They'll see if they can get away with level four. Sure. And if they can, they will take a shot at level five and see what happens at level five until a, uh, until a firm stop is given to them. Likewise, when you decriminalize crime in these blue states in America, what used to be an arrestable offense and a serious repercussion for somebody's life is removed. They are going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And we have removed so many of the lines. They have now pushed to the point of... You know, strong arm gun wielding robberies in the middle of the day in suburbia. How's your utopia coming along? Good Lord. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, getting back to the theme of gender-bending madness, which is uh, where we're going with this, uh, Chino Valley Unified School Board had a meeting recently um, in which the board was going to vote on what are, to me, uh, a set of mostly very common-sense guidelines. You cannot change a kid's gender, start referring to her as him, calling her Jimmy, etc., and not tell the parents. You should not be offering gender-bending education to little kids and that sort of thing. It's horrific. And no less than the state superintendent of instruction, Tony Thurmond of Cal Unicornia, appeared at this Southern California school board meeting to try to talk them out of it. Now, I'll, we'll play what he said, and then I'll describe some of the visuals. Go ahead, Michael, with 27. That nearly half of students who identify as being LGBTQ plus are considering suicide. I ask you to consider this, that the policy that you consider tonight not only may fall outside of the laws that respect privacy and safety for our students, but may put our students at risk because they may not be in homes where they can be safe. Time. The- Time. Time. And then Thurman tries to keep talking and shouting over and just play the next clip. Guys, be respectful. I am going to do a point of order, which I learned from a previous board president. Tony Thurman. I appreciate you being here tremendously, but here's the problem. We're here because of people like you. You're in Sacramento proposing things that pervert children. You had a chance to come and talk to me, Tony. By all means, you had a chance to come talk to me. Why was it so important for you to walk with my opponent? You are the very reason why we're in this. May may I have... As a point of order, as the board point of order, this is not your meeting. You may have a seat because if I did that to you in Sacramento, you would not accept it. Please sit. I get a point of order? You're not going to blackmail us. 
You already sent us a blackmailing letter on previous We're things. In you will not, you'll not bully us here in Chino. Please see. We're in a border. In Chino. We're going to take a five-minute break. What are they chanting? You know, I, I figured that out yesterday, and I can't remember now. We won't be bullied or, or something like that. Um, and then the vote moments later. And I'll do a roll call out of respect to my colleagues. Mr. Bridge. No. Mr. Monroe. Yes. Mr. Cruz. Yes. Mr. Na. Aye. And I'm a yes. The motion passes forward or aye. Wow, that's an exciting little deal. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And I'm told by folks in the area that there's a, an influential church in the area that um, is a fairly fundamentalist and is important in the school district. And sometimes maybe they even go overboard and what ought to be in schools and that sort of thing. But I, I, I find that practically irrelevant when you look at the fact that the vast majority of Americans, I mean, huge majorities, think it's awful to be teaching little kids about you know gender fluidity and the gender bred person they're teaching this stuff in kindergarten it's absolutely outrageous it's sick that uh that video by the way which i became aware of through the twitter account of a group called gays against groomers it's gay people who are absolutely not down with the wild radical gender theory crowd they are much more sane and traditional in saying, no, I'm a guy. I'm a gay man. I'm a man. And, and a lot of these people are activists on the stop putting young, effeminate men through surgeries and hormones because they're gay. They're not transgender. They're gay. Let them be gay. And we appreciate their uh, their assistance in fighting against the insanity, but... Uh, I say, well done. Way to stand up to the big, impressive, far-left Sacramento bureaucrat who's trying to talk you into teaching sickness in your school. And the idea that, oh, you know, and I have a lot of information on this. We'll we'll get to it at some point. But those studies that are always cited about, they're at 50% risk right. of suicide. That is cherry-picked garbage data. It is utterly scientifically invalid. And for the big bureaucrat to come down there and tell them, this is about privacy. Yeah, a confused 14-year-old being talked into being transgender by activist teachers and you not being informed about it. That's your, that the privacy is for the activists to do whatever they want. You can't give your kid a Tylenol, but the teachers can change their sex. Uh, Armstrong and Getty. What in God's name? It's 100 on the crazy meter. Well, that bad character. Man, that makes my soul bleed. That's insane. It's a little too much talking talk. Unacceptable. The reality is, is things are getting weird. And they're getting weird fast. Uh, okay. This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong Jackie, back, Jack. and Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics would come down just a little bit. And now, he. Armstrong and Getty. Uh, we always introduce uh, the beginning of the show with an honorary general manager, and this morning I went with the United States military uh, for a handful of reasons, one of which is, is quite top of mind for me, but uh, some of the supporting evidence. Just scanning some of the headlines. U.S. and 12 allies this weekend began a military exercise involving a record-setting 30,000 troops in Australia. Combined 30,000, part of a broader effort to prepare for and deter a Chinese attack on Taiwan, among other things. And you said that was a that's a record. That's the most we ever. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, that's it's the combined troops of 12 allies, yeah. including the United States. Wow. But but yeah, 30,000 doing exercises in Australia, sending a message. Iran has reportedly detained a fourth American citizen. 
Uh, you've got uh, instability in Israel, which we haven't talked about that much, but it's really pretty interesting. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said North Korea fired several cruise missiles into the Yellow Sea west of the Korean Peninsula, etc., etc. And uh, you may have seen that 3,000 U.S. military reservists uh, are on standby. They could be getting the drop-everything call soon after the president authorized additional mobilizations to Eastern Europe earlier this month. Uh, interestingly, some anti-supporting Ukraine uh, factions among Americans are pointing out that this is clearly escalating toward world war with Russia. I think that's ridiculous. Um, But they pointed out in the dispatch, and I just thought this was interesting in itself. I'm not trying to make any particular argument, but uh, the 3,000 is a small fraction of the U.S. is roughly 800,000 reserve troops, which is distinct from the military's more than 1.3 million active duty personnel. Uh, If you're curious about how many uh, men and women we have under arms these days, it's a little over 2 million. So the reason all of this was especially top of mind for me is I had quite the amazing weekend of of travel and uh, family visiting and, and ceremonies. As longtime listeners have heard me mention many, many times through the entire history of the show, or darn near it, that my brother is an active duty naval officer. And, um, and he retired, essentially, his retirement ceremony and change of command ceremony was this weekend. And it was one of the most uh, amazing, moving things I've ever seen. Um, I'll try to get through this without blubbering. I'll probably be unsuccessful. Um, But I'll skip to the punchline. Both the ceremony and then the reception afterward, then the party at his house, and I was talking to a bunch of his contemporary uh, officers, retired and active duty. And the amount of sheer brilliance training expertise dedication patriotism among these guys is awe-inspiring i mean the idea that the military is for people who can't find other jobs or whatever idiotic cliche you've had spend 10 minutes with these guys stand humbled and awed by what unbelievable humans they are and i left out disciplined uh, among my descriptions and it's just so incredibly impressive um but anyway so the the retirement ceremony and each branch has its own retirement ceremonies and they each have their own uh greatness i'm sure uh but the navy's is is so cool they you know there are speeches given and and the keynote speech was actually delivered by the chief of boat of uh, one of the uh, subs, actually the sub my brother commanded um, for several years, uh, who is the senior enlisted guy talking about my brother and his leadership style. And it was it was very, hmm. very cool. And I was very, very proud of him. Um, some of the stories, because he's too humble to tell them himself. Uh, I mean, he'll make reference to some of the things that happened. But to hear it from another perspective was 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 pretty cool. Um, but after 29 and a half years of, of serving the country, he's now he's still active duty because um, he had some leave accumulated. Uh, but he said, no, essentially, other than picking up the phone or helping out, if somebody has a question, he said, no, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Although he said, we go to war with China. <laughs> All bets are off. Oh, really? Back in uniform. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, but I thought I would read this to you. Um, and this was incredibly moving. This is the... Uh, the poem, essentially, that they read at the end. 
Um, and they, they change it depending on your years of service, but here's the way it went. For 29 years, this sailor has stood the watch. While some of us were in our bunks at night, this sailor stood the watch. While some of us were in school learning our trade, this shipmate stood the watch. Yes, even before some of us were born into this world, this shipmate stood the watch. In those years when the storm clouds of war were seen brewing on the horizon of history, this shipmate stood the watch. Many times he would cast an eye ashore and see his family standing there, needing his guidance and help, needing that hand to hold during those hard times, but he still stood the watch. He stood the watch for 29 years. He stood the watch so that we, our families, and our fellow countrymen could sleep soundly in safety each and every night, knowing that a sailor stood the watch. <clears throat> Today, we are here to say, shipmate, the watch stands relieved. Relieved by those you have trained, guided, and led. Shipmate, you stand relieved. We have the watch. Um, and then they blow the pipe and ring the bell, and, and off he goes. It's really quite amazing. Um, and then you see these kids who he's training and, and then in the little slideshow, uh, of, of his career, you see that he looked like a kid mm. when he started and these youngsters are built into these amazing people through the traditions of the United States military. And to, you can almost not express how incredibly important that excellence is without resorting to cliches that everybody claims they understand about you know it's it's uh, you know our, our military that preserves our freedom and protects us from from those who would end it and that sort of thing. But when you see the beginning, middle, and end of that process, you understand these are not people who'd merely do a job. They dedicate their lives to a purpose. And uh, and it's just it's it's really really cool, and not uh, an academic exercise either. As like I'm watching the news up there, China warplanes flying over where we've got those exercises going on. You know, it's 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 for real. The preparing for that stuff. Well, and and the military is not a a, a laboratory for social experiments either. You know, they can try stuff. Absolutely, that's fine. But to have anybody other than those in charge of military preparedness uh, deciding what the military should do is uh, is it's folly. It's suicidal, honestly. And the one uh, one final note, maybe in talking to a lot of these guys, uh, is that if you've ever heard of the uh, the cases where there's some weapon system or boat or whatever that the military says, we don't need this boat. We don't want this boat. This boat doesn't work. But the congressman from the district where the boat is made insisting on we keep spending billions of dollars on this boat, that stuff happens a lot. And it sucks. Mm. And it's awful. Oh, and one more thought. I'm sorry. My, my closing thought was intended to be the following. Um, and, and this was reflected so clearly in, um, you know, the, the address my brother gave and then the address of the gent who is assuming his command um, and, and a couple of other people. I think it's safe to say every single member of the United States military, all the branches, their families are serving with them. Oh, yeah. The spouses, the children, the moms, the dads, the brothers, the sisters. No doubt the about family that. Family sacrifices the family worries that that a part of the, uh, you know, the traditional uh, the watch as it's called that uh, many times he would cast an eye ashore and see his family standing there needing him essentially, but still he stood the watch. That is 
true. And, you know, if you appreciate our military, by God, appreciate our military families. Yeah, yeah, whether it's you're moving around a lot and pulling kids out of school and that sort of thing, or if you're in an active uh, war zone, as so many people have been over the last 20 years, just, you know, tours of duty where you're gone, gone for months at a time. Dad is gone, or mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent point there. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. All right, guys, so I'm at Goodwill the other day, and I see this really cool Star Wars book, and I open it up. Guess what I found? Not money. I found a diploma, so I went on Instagram to find this guy, Jacob Calabrese, and he went to the school. So I said, hey, I got your diploma. He said, if you could send it with the thing, I'll memo you. Thank you. So I was like, cool. So I requested $69 as a joke. I thought it was hilarious and then he actually sent it so i gotta actually put stuff in this package that's worth up to kind of 65 dollars. so i put a keychain i put a figure hey i hope you like chili's got your chili's gift card as well and then i put it on a freaking box and i went down to the mailbox and then three days later he got it and now we're best friends isn't that insane (laughs) (laughs) oh man there's so much to like in that clip isn't that insane? <laughs> the guy's style as a narrator is hilarious. I think he might be high. I uh, I requested $69 cuz I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but then he hits it off with this guy, they become buds. That's sweet. I that's probably where my high school and or college diploma and kids birth certificates and a variety of things are in between the pages of some book. I don't know. <laughs> a Star Wars book in some used bookstore. Uh, I hope not. So a couple of pieces of editorial writing have appeared in the New York Times and I guess both of them today uh that are extraordinary in their way. Uh, the first one is entitled What We Lose to Shoplifting by Pamela Paul. Um, whose work I'm not really familiar with. Um, and this uh, this piece is interesting because every word she writes is absolutely true. She's talking about the explosion of shoplifting in America's blue cities. And she mentions that, you know, in a drugstore, few shopping experiences are more intimate than a visit to the pharmacy. The contents of your basket may disclose waxy ears, hemorrhoids, insomnia, constipation, a messy rash. Need some magnum condoms. Yeah, right. A pimply well, a pimply boy has to hail an employee to free his benzoyl peroxide. Fourteen-year-old girl needs to be watched as she selects a tampon that suits her cycle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Even for adults, it's hard not to be self-conscious, etc. They're locking and, up my toothpaste. <laughs> And she talks about the sad atmosphere of surveillance during one of her recent visits to San Francisco. Uh, you can imagine the, the rest. Everything's locked up. She says, I f- felt like an imposition on the pharmacy's meager staff uh, walking down the aisle, pressing a series of buttons. After a string of these requests, I left before securing everything I'd planned to buy. The whole experience felt bad. I was sorry for the shopkeeper. Sorry for the employees. Sorry for being there. Sorry for not buying enough. 
Uh, no impulse purchases, obviously. <clears throat> oh, and, right. Wow. Yeah. How, how much do they lose on that? Never even thought about that. You can't just grab something. Oh, I could use that. No, I got to go find somebody again and get the key. No, I'm not going to do that. Then she goes into the undeniable quality of life impact from the real or perceived increase in shoplifting. It's not perceived, baby. It's real. It's felt by shoppers, store employees, security personnel, store owners, communities. It's a very well-written, very complete description of why we don't want more crime. And I read this and thought, you know, those of us who aren't New York Times editorial writers, uh, you don't need to explain to us why we don't want more crime because we already didn't want more crime yes you made a persuasive argument there in the newspaper for why crime is bad i was already laws and enforcing them Hmm. i was already convinced yeah yeah but anyway you know i'm not here to mock the lady um everything she writes is correct in it and and it's a pretty good laying out of the case against allowing rampant crime to ruin our communities. Yeah, I think she worked too hard. I mean, it doesn't need to be, I have embarrassing things in my cart. If I'm at the convenience store and I'm buying things I'm not embarrassed about at all, it's still not good to have people who come in and steal from you. Yeah, it's interesting that she feels like she has to kind of build a case for something right. that is self-evident to right. most of the world. Isn't that we're, interesting? We're, yeah, we're giving away civilization. To that end, uh, Chris Rufo uh, tweeted this. This is a news account from Seattle. Um, let me click on this so it opens up. Multiple explosive devices likely connected to an ongoing drug turf war were the cause of multiple explosions and a massive fire in a homeless encampment outside Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. Uh, putting the hospital at risk as passersby reported debris impacting the building. According to the police report obtained by the Post Millennial, at the encampment located between I-5 and the hospital in downtown Seattle, I can picture it, the explosion was a targeted attack on a fentanyl tent where 20 customers were inside using drugs. Survivors told investigators that the former leader of the encampment named Coconut had recently been replaced and as a result had come back with a firearm and shot at both the old smoking tent and the new smoking tent and held the people outside the tents at gunpoint, robbing them of everything. According to court filings, Coconut is connected to drug trafficking operations in the area, as was described and was described in the report. Pacific Islander, Asian, male in his 50s, wearing cornrow-style braids, etc. It doesn't matter. He was identified as Michael Bonito Poasa and is associated with a short white female with tan skin with the alias Monkey, who has been identified as 39-year-old Michelle Desiree Alohosen. So you have was Monkey. So you have Coconut and Monkey. Throwing IEDs into tents and shooting people over drug turf in Seattle in their junkie camp. And the rest of us are just supposed to say, well, housing costs are high. (laughs) We're giving away our civilization. The more I think about it, the more ridiculous it is that somebody penned a complicated article in the New York Times to argue why crime is bad. You had to get into, you know, often at the drugstore, you're buying things that are private. What are you talking about? You can't allow people to steal. Do you see how in San Francisco they had to shut down all the Walgreens? No, they don't have them. So people who live there can't even go to uh, can't even go to a drugstore. That's a problem enough, isn't it? San Francisco's problem. 
Thanks for pointing out that the uh, employees don't like bumping up against criminals in the middle of committing crimes because it's dangerous and scary. But I knew that already. I didn't need you to tell me. That's hilarious. Well, what's what's hilarious and troubling is that the readers of the New York Times needed somebody to tell them. So much of our media, the people, everything is theoretical for them because they don't live in the real world. So it's all theoretical. Yeah. And what's really interesting about that that point of view, that that philosophy that so many of them have is they believe in a weird set of rights, but not like the classic ones. They're more than happy to shut down your freedom of speech, for instance. So they're not big fans of rights and they're outright hostile to responsibilities. If a junkie wants to park in the camp, poop, you know, shoot people, uh, drop needles, commit crimes over and over again, rampant shoplifting, Mexican tar- cartels see the profit, they move in. Nobody can ever be asked to act like a responsible citizen because that's asking too much. How dare we? It's a weird... Maybe that's the main difference between people of our philosophy and people of theirs. We believe in broad, natural rights and non-negotiable responsibilities. We will give you oodles of freedom, but if you act the fool, if you break laws, you get punished. That's the deal. That's the bargain. And that's a wonderful bargain. I'll take it. I saw the video in one of the newses I watched yesterday of... A robbery in the Glendale area, some upscale shopping that I've been to many times. The Glendale Mall is really nice, and then upscale shopping around there. And Man, it was like a minute long, and all these people just showed up, ran in, robbed people blind, and took off. Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise without fear of any repercussion. Like I said, yeah, we'll give you freedom, but there are repercussions. And if you abuse the freedom and our jails are full, we will build more jails. That that doesn't trouble me. That's the bargain. But on the other side of the aisle, they're, they're emptying the jails and decriminalizing crime because too many people screwed up. It's wild. Quick question for you. What if you happen to miss this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.